Okay, so if you want a title for this, it's Be Fruitful. I think that's quite a good title, Be Fruitful. So, you know, I can't believe that next, the end of next week is going to be September. I just, I just can't believe that. The time has just gone so quick. I don't think I'm the only one who's saying that. Um, but we're still in our year of extreme fruitfulness. I'm going to move this over. So you can look at our lovely basket of fruit. And also I've got some water. Um, yeah, we're still in our year of extreme fruitfulness. And, uh, you know, I believe that there's so much more to come. You know, we've got four months left, only four months left of this year. But God is going to do great things in that time. And he can pack so much into that time. And you know what? It's not just for this year. This is, you know, fruitfulness is our mandate in life. It's the mandate that God's given us in life um, to be abundantly fruitful. So it's beyond this year. But, um, yeah, that's what God spoke for this year. So we're, we're sticking to that. So, without looking in your Bibles, here's a little test for you. What were God's first words to mankind? Anybody? Shout it out. Be fruitful fruitful and multiply. Yep, that's found in Genesis 1.28. Be fruitful and multiply. Brownie points for you guys. Um, So, you know, we are human beings, aren't we? We're not human doings. God created us to be in relationship with him. God created us to be filled with himself. God created us to be carriers of the culture of heaven so that we can reveal Jesus to the world. Amen? But, you know, as humans, we're good at doing stuff as well. We are good at doing stuff. I know a lot of people in this room who are good at doing stuff. We like producing things and having something to show for our existence on this earth. And I don't know about you, our children, Uh, I don't know about you, but I find it really hard to just like sit and watch a TV program or a movie and because I like without doing something at the same time because like at the end of that time I've got nothing to physically show for those two hours I feel like I've wasted that time even though it might be a really good I know you completely disagree Mark is so opposite he can just switch off and relax and be like yeah it's a great movie and some movies are great but I got that sense of like, have I just wasted these last two hours of my life? I've got nothing to show for it. I don't know if you guys can relate to that as well, but some of you. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's good. It's good for you. (laughs) Um, I used to say to a friend of mine, we meet every week for, or most weeks for coffee. And I used to say to her when we parted ways for the day, have um, a productive day. And then God started speaking to me and he said, why don't you say to her, have a fruitful day? Because, um, let me go back to my notes. Why does it say this? Um, Yeah, because fruitfulness, it's beyond what we produce. And it's not as easy to measure when it's fruit that God's producing in us. But that's the really important stuff because everything else that we do flows from that. So, um, yeah, just have a think about that. Like, when you're not feeling productive, ask God, what's he bearing, what fruit is he bearing in you? You might not have something to show for like the last three hours of your life, but what's God doing inside you? Because that's the most important stuff. So God said to mankind, be fruitful and multiply. And it's actually, it's not a command, it's a blessing. God's very first words to mankind are a blessing. I just, I love that. And it's a mandate for all time. Nothing's changed It's the same for us today. Be fruitful and multiply. 
And our fruitfulness in life flows directly from our encounter with God, our daily walk with him. As we allow his presence to fill us up and transform us and expand us, I just want us to remember our key verse for this year. It's John 15, verse 5. And it says this, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear a little bit of fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's how it goes, right? No? no? That's not how it goes? No. What, what have I missed out? No, just this, this is how it really goes. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Yeah. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The word remain in this verse means to stay in a given place, uh, state, relation or expectancy. It means to abide, continue, dwell, be present, endure and to stand. Shall I say that again? So remain. So remain in me and I in you. Remain means to stay in a given place, state, relation or expectancy. To abide, continue, dwell, endure, be present, to stand. That's what our relationship with God should look like. To remain in God, in relationship with him and in expectancy of who he is and what he's doing, it never gets old or boring or samey with him. It's true that he never changes, but you know, we never have a full grasp on on who he fully is and what he's up to on this earth and, and in us. There's always so much more to discover of him and his kingdom, so much more to explore of who we are in Christ. I wonder if you ever feel like me and I feel like, yeah, you know, I've got that fruit of the spirit down. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm good with that, that one, particular one. Um I'm full of patience. You know, and then some situation comes up and you realize, uh, okay, yeah, God, you've got to still working that patience in me and you've got to keep causing me to bear that patient fruit because I'm not there yet. <laughs> yeah, I felt like that before I had kids. I felt like I was probably one of the most patient people around and then I had kids and then I realized, uh, no, I'm not. And, you know, God's had to keep working patience in me and is still doing that because, you know, sorry, Neve, but children can really test your patience. <laughs> And other people too. Talking of children, I, I've been, uh, so just before we went on holiday, well, for a patch of time before then, um, I've been reading the Chronicles of Narnia to Neve out loud. And I love that. There's something about reading out loud um, together. It's just so cool. And um, I'd read the Chronicles of Narnia um, by C.S. Lewis when I was a child, probably about Neve's age. And um, really loved them, but I'd like forgotten how good the books were. And it was just, I actually joined Neve like, um, I think halfway through Prince Caspian or something, um, or The Horse and His Boy. But anyway, um, so these, the stories, if you don't know, they're about um, some children and a foreign land called Narnia and a lion called Aslan. And there are other strange and mysterious and weird and wonderful creatures as well that are in the stories. Highly recommend reading them or rereading them if you've already read them. So anyway... In this paragraph in the book, Prince Caspian, um, there's this bit that really struck me. And it's a conversation between one of the children in the story, Lucy. And she's the youngest of the four brothers and sisters. And, um, and it's between her and the lion, Aslan, who she's got a really special relationship with. And this particular bit goes like this. Aslan, Aslan, dear Aslan, sobbed Lucy, at last... The great beast rolled over on his side so that Lucy fell, half sitting and half lying between his front paws. He bent forward and just touched her nose with his tongue, and his warm breath came all around her. 
she gazed up into the large, wise face. Welcome, child, he said. I can't do the voice like in the movies. <laughs> Welcome, child, <laughs> he said. Aslan, said Lucy, you're bigger. That is because you are older, little one, answered he. Not because you are. I am not, but every year you grow, you will find me bigger. And I just thought, what a wonderful picture of us and God, you know, that as we grow, as we mature, as we discover more of him and more of who we are in Christ, he just keeps on getting bigger and bigger and revealing more of himself. And he takes us from glory to glory. And it's always a greater glory. I just love that picture. The Bible says this in 1 Colossians 1.19, and I'm reading from the message translation. It says, so spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. I love that. He's so spacious. There's room for us all to be all that he's created us to be, to expand and multiply to the fullness of what he's intended for each of us. There's no like elbowing each other out of the way or clambering over one another to get to the top, to get one up. There's plenty of room for each one. Plenty of room for all the bearing of fruit that we've got going on right now and much, much more. So the absolute key to living an extremely fruitful life is to remain in him, to be with him, to walk with him and encounter him continually. Everything else in our life flows out from that state of being in union with him. We read earlier in John 15, 5, that we can do nothing when we're apart from him. When we stay in encounter and relationship with God, fully submitted to him, then we can stand in our true identity as sons and daughters and in the authority that we've been given from the Father. And we are sure of our purpose on earth when we encounter him, which is to make disciples of the nations, starting with those in our sphere of influence. So this is key. Encounter is key to bearing fruit in what we do in life. Marge Russell said something, for those of you who were here last week, she said something about that we can only give out an influence from the encounter that we've had with God. So if we aren't giving out of that encounter that we've had with God, we're giving of ourselves in our flesh and in our own strength. We need to stay full up of God so that he flows through us. And I'm speaking to myself here as well. No one else is responsible for our walk with God or our encounter with God. No one else but us. And so I want to challenge us this morning and myself to press in, to seek God's face more than anything else in our lives. To listen for his voice of wisdom and encouragement and provocation. And for us to give time in praise and thanksgiving for just who he is. So important every day. It doesn't have to be hours a day. You know, it can be five minutes a day, but if we just position ourselves to give thanks to him and praise him every day, then, you know, the Holy Spirit will change us from the inside out. There's a saying that's attributed to Albert Einstein that for some reason I just can't get away from at the moment. I keep seeing it everywhere. And it says the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. So I've just been thinking about this and I'm thinking, you know, if we want to each step into the fullness of what God has for us to be and to do, then things need to change and we need to step up a gear. We need to keep stepping up gears with God. You know, if we can change from just giving God a little bit of time to more time than that and then more time with that, you know, he's going to do amazing things in us and through us. I really believe that. So 
kind of the second part of what I want to speak about. We've talked about the importance of being. We're human beings. And God created us to be in relationship with him. But we are also created to do. That's not wrong. Um, the second part of Genesis 1.28, so the second part of be fruitful and multiply, is fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every, every living creature that moves on the ground. And to me, that sounds like there's some work involved with that. Yeah, you agree? We were created to recreate and fill out the earth with God's goodness and created to rule from our God-given authority. And we're created to work the land. It's in his plan for our lives. You know, and God's given us everything we need, but we have to choose to partner with him in our doing so that we are doing his will so that we can bear much fruit. You know, we can't just sit back and rest on our laurels, although there is a place for rest. That's a completely different sermon. But we can't just sit back and let everything happen or wonder why nothing's happening. You know, we've got to partner with God and get hold of what he's speaking to us. We've got to step out from encounter with God having listened for his voice, and then be obedient to what he's asked us to do. So we can't just spend, it's good to spend time encountering God and in his presence. But, you know, if he's created us to do, we've got to step outside of that place. And then it's, like I said before, it's him flowing through us in what we're doing. There's a parable that Jesus taught in Matthew, and you can turn to it. It's chapter 25, and it's verses 14 to 28, if you want to follow along. And it's all about what we do with what God's given us. Yeah, it's Matthew chapter 25, so in the New Testament, and verses 14 to 28. So, this is what it says. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops that you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have got some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. 
To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. You know, when we say yes to Jesus, to following Jesus, we become stewards of his kingdom. And that involves every part of who we are and every aspect of our lives. It's all for his glory and to make his name known on earth. The two two of the servants in the parable double what they've been given, but one buries his in the ground. What makes him do that? The master calls him lazy, and it certainly does look like laziness, like a lazy thing to do. But maybe it was down to fear, and in fact, he said, I was afraid. Maybe it's down to fear, fear that, you know, he doesn't feel as good as the other two servants, because he's only been given one bag of silver. And he's afraid that he won't be able to make a return on it, and he'll end up losing it. Surely it would be better to just give that amount back intact. The lesson here is to use what God's given you, to invest yourself for expanding his kingdom. Fear will keep you bound up and unable to do this. That's why we have to have continuous encounter with the Father, with his love, because perfect love leaves no room for fear in our lives. It says it in 1 John 4 verse 18. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. And I've said it before quite a few times, but I'm going to say it again. Comparison is a killer. It's a killer. It kills off what God has put in us to be and to do. And I want to urge you, don't live your life. And I'm speaking to myself again. Don't live your life comparing yourself to others. Because there's only one, one of you that God has called to do only what you can. Using the unique set of skills, abilities, creativity, personality and physicality that you have. It's a whole package in God's sight that he wants to use. You need to be you. So to each person here, you need to be you. Run in the lane that God has marked out for you with your eyes fixed on the prize. You know, it's a spacious lane for you to grow in and to bear much fruit in. I don't know if any of you watched the athletics over this summer, but they're really close to each other. But, you know, with God, it's different. We're not huddled so close to each other. We have got a spacious lane to run in and to grow in and to be fruitful in. And, you know, we can be so fixed on the person who's running next to us and how spacious their lane is and what fruit they're bearing. But it doesn't make our lane any less spacious because somebody else is bearing fruit. It doesn't make us any less fruitful. You know, that's a mindset that we've got to deal with in life. Galatians, Galatians 6, 1 to 3 in the message puts it like this. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you've been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best that you can with your own life. I love that. It's so encouraging. Submit yourself to God, all that's within you and all that you possess, and see what God does with it. You you might feel in life like you are the one that's been given the one bag of silver. Don't worry, make it count. Ask God to give you his wisdom of how to invest that back, what to do with it. And it will bear fruit. And as it does, God will entrust you with more. And you'll bear more fruit. Okay, I'm into the last bit now. So there's a Bible verse that keeps just 
being highlighted to me at the moment. And I really believe it's a word for us right now as Freedom Church. And it's found in Isaiah 54 verse 2, if you want to look it up. It says, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. And I believe that that is a challenge from heaven for us today to not settle where we're at in, in our lives individually and as a people, of, a company of believers, but to stretch ourselves out on the inside so that God can fill that space that we're making for him, to stretch out our expectation of what he wants to do in us and through us, to stretch out what he's given us in our families and in our work life, in our friendships, in our creativity and in our talents and skills and abilities Let's stretch ourselves out on the inside so that God can fill us and fill out those things. He wants to do extraordinary things in us and through us. I really believe that. But he's waiting for our yes. He's waiting for our willingness to step out in obedience according to what he's asked of us. His blessing on our lives is that we bear extreme fruit for his glory. So, for some of you, God's already asked you to step out and enlarge your tent, but you haven't given him an answer yet. You've been like weighing up the pros and cons and what it's going to cost you. For some of you, you sense like there's something on the horizon that's God's will for you, but you don't know what it looks like yet. But it's going to require a stepping out in obedience and faith. And you need to decide now what your response is going to be, even though you can't see exactly what it is. And then there's others of you that might not have a clue about what's coming and, and you don't even see that horizon, what's on the horizon. But it's about that positioning of your heart and changing your focus so that you know that moment when God asks you, he asks you to do his will and to do a particular thing and step out. Moses, in uh, Genesis uh, chapter 22, verse 1, God calls him, his name. And Moses says, here I am. And in Hebrew, that means, whatever you ask of me, God, my answer is yes. Wow, I'm so, so, so challenged by that. Moses, he had that position in his life and of his heart and his spirit That whatever it was, because he trusted in God, because he had relationship with God, because he'd encountered God, he knew that whatever God asked him was going to be fruitful in his life. So he knew he could say yes, and everything was going to be fine, and it was going to bear fruit. And I'm challenged. I, I want my answer, even though I don't know what things look like, I want my answer to be, yeah, here I am, God. My answer's yes. Whatever you're going to ask of me, it's yes. In this house... We are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. 
And in this house, that means we, we love. love.